Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again. We are back continuing our study in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 18. Uh, We have gone down through verse 17, and so we're going to pick up in verse 18, obviously. Uh, We are in the uh, second of three segments that I identified last time that we talked um, regarding how God views those who are greatest in his kingdom. Verses 12 through 15, he uh, kind of grades people or gauges people by their level of care. Um, they, they care for all. In this section, verses 16 through 20, um, he's gauging people by their tolerance. Now, it has to do with, in this case, uh, forgiveness, but Forgiveness then takes on a life of its own or a segment of its own in verses 21 through 35, and it really becomes pretty extravagant when it begins talking specifically about forgiveness. But he's he's using forgiveness here to talk about our level of tolerance in um, in, in verses 18 through 20. He says something with regard to tolerance about the local church. In, in fact, in verse 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them tell none of the church, he was talking about discipline and things like that. He's bringing church, our, our, the local church, into this picture. And so he, he, he hits that in verses 18 through 20, and it's interesting that you have in chapter 18, verses 18 through 20, talking about um, what God honors with regard to the church, and if you just go back just two chapters, in chapter 16, the same verses, 18 through 20, that's, that's when he encounters Peter and he talks about the local church and how Christ is the chief cornerstone. He doesn't use that terminology, but he alludes to it. And, um, you know, and, and so he, and he, he talks about, you know, whatever the church, you know, binds here on earth, he uh, binds in heaven. And so he kind of reiterates that here. In verse 18, let me just read it. He says, Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything they shall ask, it shall be done for them uh, of my Father which is in heaven, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there there am I in the midst of them. Uh, see, he was just talking about the church because he, he, we just finished a segment on uh, church discipline. You know, uh, uh, yeah, how you handle, not necessarily discipline, but um, how you handle um, grievances between various, you know, other members of the church and a proper approach to that. So we're, we're still kind of continuing in that vein or in that thought process. 
when he says, you know, ultimately it, it, you, you take that, that conflict to the church and the church makes the ultimate decision. And then he says, God is going to honor that. So there, you know, there's, of course, there's a special place uh, for the local church in heaven. Now, however you choose to describe the church, uh, I'm, I know people have a lot of different definitions for it. Um, you know, it, it talks about the church being the bride of Christ. It doesn't say all of Christianity. It says the church. So, you know, I believe God sees a difference there between the family of God and the church of God. But whatever, however you, you know, want to picture that, you can't deny the fact that God has a special place for the church and grants it special standing, um, you know, in, in life or in eternity. And, and so he, he talks about that here when he says he's going to honor the decision of the church. And, and in this case, it's in response to forgiveness. Um, and, and, and um, you know, because the situation is you have this person who you have a conflict and, and the person who, who uh, created the grievance rejects the various approaches and then ultimately he's taken before the church and the church decides how that's going to be handled and it's whether they're going to forgive him or they're going to cast him out or whatever so you know they're talking about the level of tolerance that a church has and now clearly that that you know there are certain things the church should tolerate and certain things the church should not tolerate so you know they're going to they're going to weigh the decision here and decide what the ultimate uh, outcome will be and whatever that is, you know, if it's forgiveness or if it's disciplinary action. Um, God will honor that standing that, that results from that somehow in heaven. Now, you know, the Bible's not totally clear, really, on what that is, but what we do see here it's not about salvation. He never is talking about salvation. The church doesn't have the power to decide who's saved and who's not. Unfortunately, um, Catholicism believes that the church actually does have the ability to make that determination because they'll tell you if you're excommunicated from the church, you're going to hell. Or at least that's what people say happens. Well, that's the church making the decision who gets to go to heaven and who goes to hell. So it's a disguised approach to saying the church decides who's saved and who's not. Of course, in history, they sold indulgences and different things like that, and so you could buy your way into heaven. So the church, you know, they would issue a decree that said, okay, here, this is your passport into heaven. So the, the church is all, they've always assumed the ability to do that, although they won't come right out and say it. It's kind of like they'll tell you they don't worship Mary or they don't pray to Mary, but they do. Um, the rosary is a prayer to Mary. So, you know, in practice, they do it, but in in their claim, they say they don't, but I'm, I'm chasing another rabbit here, I guess. But the, the bottom line is this. The, the church that Jesus built was built for a reason, and I believe he gives it special standing with regard to certain situations, not regarding salvation, but in um, certain policy decisions and stuff like that, that somehow can relate to your existence, your eternal existence in heaven. Um, so... He does that here and demonstrates it, and, you know, that's kind of where we're at. Okay, so anyway, you know, we're, that takes us down through uh, verse 20. Then we pick up in 21, and we enter that third category here of how God gauges people or, you know, determines 
people uh, with regard to who's greatest and who's not greatest and, and that sort of thing. Um, and, it, and it really has nothing to do with earning points or level of service or anything like that. Um, but it is character. I mean, all these things address character. And so he, he focuses then on forgiveness, beginning in that, this last section, verse 21. And I, I don't know if I'm going to get all the way through this or not, because there's kind of a lot of thought process and a lot of things to mention in here. And we need to read through it to make sure we get the picture. Um, so in verse 21, then Peter came to him and said, he asked, Peter asked the Lord, he says, How oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times, when she chooses that number seven, because that's a biblical number of completion. And, you know, there's, there, we could go, we could talk about that for a long time, with the number seven and so on. But it's, 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 a, it's a number that is revered and respected and, and represents finality. You know, it's the seven days creation and all those bold judgments and vile judgments and what, and what have you and in uh, Revelation and so on. It's a, a number of finality. And so, you know, Peter says, okay, you know, God, you know, should I forgive him seven times and then that's it? And notice Jesus' answer. He says, um, but until 70 times 7. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until 7 times, but until 70 times 7. Now, he's not saying, no, not 7. It's 490. you got to give him 490 times. So, you know, as if to say, well, I'll forgive him 490, and then the 491st, I'm done. No, that's not what he's talking about at all. He's giving him a number that speaks to the, the magnitude of the level of forgiveness that, that we should have. He says, then he goes into another dissertation as to what the kingdom of heaven is like, and he, he does that multiple times. So with regard to forgiveness, uh, he gives them another example what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says, therefore, verse 23, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Now this is, this is a lot of money. Now I did some calculations. That, you know, maybe my calculations are off, but you know, quite frankly, calculations are, are not so critical. They're just there to illustrate, again, about the, the forgiveness. It's not so much the 490 times, it's to illustrate a lot, that there really is no limit. But in my calculations, he says uh, he owed him 10,000 talents. Now, if he owed him 10,000 talents of silver, today's silver goes for roughly $24. It fluctuates in the 20s uh, per ounce. So uh, as of today, it's right around $24 an ounce. Um, in this case, a talent equals 750 ounces. Um, and so um, what he has here is 750 ounces of silver at $24 an ounce. That's $18,000 for one ounce. For one ounce. 18000 times 10,000 ounces 
is $180 million. Okay, so maybe my math's off. I don't know. Maybe I've done something wrong. But the bottom line is, I think you can see, you know, we're talking about a boatload of money here. More money than a person could pay. And in fact, I'm thinking, how on earth could this guy possibly owe him that much money? I, you know, I really don't know. I don't know what he could have done to be that heavily indebted to this individual. Uh, maybe it's kind of like a credit card when you let them get out of control. The interest and penalties and different things stack up that you end up owing more, you know, in, in total with all that than you actually borrow. If you borrow, if you if you spent five thousand dollars, you could end up owing twenty thousand back in penalties and interest if you're not very careful. And so maybe that's how it happened. You know, somehow this debt just grew beyond control there was no way you know there's other places you know there's that whole parable when he talks about the kingdom of heaven um when he when the the husbandman went out and hired people to work in his vineyard and he's going to pay him a penny a day when you talk about a guy earning a penny a day and he's supposed to pay back 180 million bucks it's impossible you know it's just overwhelming there's no way that he can do it so he calls this guy to him and he says dude you owe me all this money. Um, and, and so when he does that, he says, and when he had begun to reckon, one was brought to him and showed 10,000 talents, but for as much as he had not to pay, in other words, he, says, he acknowledges the fact, there's no way I can pay you back. He says, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Well, we've already established the fact that he can't pay them all. He's just he's pleading for mercy. He's saying, look, I'll do whatever it takes. He's basically saying, I'll, I'll serve you the rest of my life. You know, you do whatever you want, but let me just serve you, and you can take all my money. You can take, you know, don't take my family and sell them off and all that sort of thing. And so verse 27, then the Lord uh, of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Wow. We just talked about how much money that is. We talked about how much that, date, that debt is. Of course, the picture here, and we're probably going to have to close out with this because we're getting to the end and we'll pick up the rest of it later in our next segment, but the Master looks at this servant and has compassion on him, and the guy's pleading for mercy. And the master is willing to forgive him this debt that he cannot pay. I mean, what does that sound like to you? That's salvation, isn't it? The master is saying, I will forgive you a debt that you can't pay. In other words, he's going to pay it for him. He says, I'll take the loss. Isn't that what Christ did on the cross? He paid, he gave his only God gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christ paid that debt. He paid that debt that we could not pay, that enormous debt that was beyond our reach, that we had no capability of satisfying, and yet Christ was willing to go to the cross and did go to the cross and pay that debt. And all He asked from us is that we acknowledge what He's done and plead for his mercy and give our lives to him, which is what apparently or supposedly happens to this guy. I think we see later a problem in this case. 
particular case, but the picture of salvation is very clear. So I hope you get that. I hope uh, maybe somebody out there needs that, but that's where we're going to knock off. We'll pick up uh, in verse uh, 28 next time. Thank you and God bless.